Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I am Marque from Australia, joined as always by the, the handsomest man on any beat, not just the Bulls beat, any beat out there and not even just basketball beats. Uh, it's it's more, football more and beats, more egregious every time we do it. <laughs> hockey beats, soccer beats, any beats. There is no one that is finer looking than William Gottlieb, who joins me. William, how are you, mate? It's hard to not be great after that introduction. Well, there you go. There you go. That's what I'm here for, to to lift your spirits, to lift everyone's collective spirits. Everyone just knows me as an extremely positive person that just likes to make everyone happy. That's that's, Everyone always tells me that. That's just the joy that I bring to their lives. So I'm, I'm happy to continue to and extend that to you, William. Uh, similarly, for everyone tuning in, whether you're tuning in via YouTube, Spotify, Apple, uh, we appreciate your support. I love you guys as much as I love William, which is a lot. So thank you all for tuning in to CHGO here and, um, you know, conversing with us on this this fun and exciting bull season, which uh, William and I are here today to continue to talk about. So uh, William, maybe you can uh, address the people here, give you the platform. What, what are we actually talking about today? <laughs> what are we talking about with this team, man? They are just so difficult to understand from a day-to-day basis. Um, so I think with that in mind, what I wanted to do today was kind of look at some things that may have happened throughout the course of a game last night um, or throughout like the course of uh, a stretch of games that are sort of micro elements to what happened. So for example, we're going to get into the beef or I don't want to call it like an altercation, but there was, there was a heated exchange, exchange. between exchange. Our, our friends, uh, Nikola Vucevic and Patrick Beverly last night. We're going to talk about that specifically and the play that led up to it and why like sort of the micro sense around it, but then zoom out and talk about the dynamics, um, the greater dynamics in terms of leadership and sense of responsibility and defense and, whether or not it's real. So we're gonna we're gonna take that approach throughout today's show. We've got a couple of different topics to to get to. Yeah, and look, the reason why we we're doing this is reflective of last night's game against the Pistons, whereby in that first half, and even through the first three quarters really, they looked like a really good professional basketball team. And then all of a sudden, within a split second, they looked terrible. And which is I, I to speaking to the macro micro element of all this thing, like 
yesterday's game was a microcosm of this season in a lot of different ways. There's been elements or times where this team has just been so good and they, they make you believe. Uh, they've, they've tricked me several times. And then there's been some, obviously, we all know, some, some horrific losses along the way which make you question your own existence and why you're actually committing so much time to this freaking team. Or at least that's me anyway. But uh, so... That's why we wanted to hit on these topics is because yesterday was that type of game for us, at least. Um, so maybe there was a great start. quote. Uh, I don't know if you want to get to this later or yeah. should we just leave The Billy quote? It, is that what you're referring to? So good. Yeah, the Billy quote from last night after the game. Yeah. The, uh, our friend Julia Poe. Yeah. Billy Donovan was frustrated by the way the Bulls let up in the second half. Quote, you see this team in the first 24 minutes of the game that's playing unbelievable, beautiful basketball. Then you see a team looking lethargic, uninspired. It's amazing to me, to be quite honest. And I mean, Arturis had the quote, he said it a couple of times, but he was like, you know, we're watching the game through the fans' perspective. Like we're fans of the game. We don't like to see them lose either. But like, I think that really spoke to the fan in a very authentic way where it's like, we know there's a good team in here somewhere. We know there is talent on this roster and that they can play good basketball at times. But like this, this idea of like, they just got to do it consistently is becoming such a tired excuse. And it's just unbelievable. Like, like Billy said here, um, to be, to go from one extreme to the other and be that good. And then that uninspired, it really, I mean, amazing is really the word. Like that is an amazing turnaround. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's extremely humorous that it was coming from Billy as well. Like he's clearly baffled by this at, at the same time. And I, I get it. Like he, he, as much as uh, um, as much energy we put into this team, uh, like the, I'm just, can you just imagine how much energy he, his coaching staff, are putting into these guys trying to extract some level of consistency? Clearly, that hasn't worked for whatever reason, um, and, and they're all over the shop as he as he sort of suggested. But like again, that quote was another reason as to why we wanted to take a, this this approach to this this episode today because, like we said. They were extremely good in that first half against Detroit. It looked like it was going to be a simple win. Do you know what I did, William, yesterday? I put no, money on balls. At, uh, I think I was on, on the sports book that I was using. Where, uh, I took the line of five, five and a half points. So I, I, I thought, yep, I know they're coming off a back-to-back, but this is the Pistons team who clearly isn't playing their best lineup at this point. Their objective isn't to win games at this point of the season. So surely... Surely the Bulls will win this game by six points or more. And of course, through three quarters, I'm sitting there. I wasn't necessarily watching the game live, unfortunately, yesterday. I was catching it afterwards. But I'm, I'm checking the scores um, here and there, and I'm feeling comfortable. that The lead was hovering between 15 and 20 points for the majority of the game. And then I start checking, you know, <laughs> I start checking the score through the fourth quarter. And okay, it's down to 10 points. All right, now it's down to eight points. Okay, now the game is freaking tired. What are you guys doing? I've got money on this game. So they're just so annoying in so many ways. But this this Billy quote, like it just it just hit everything that I, I want I wanted to discuss today. But let's 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 start. What well, maybe we do this, William. Maybe we can trade do some um you know back and forth in terms of some of the best wins this season and some of the worst losses to really just sort of magnify or honing on the point that we're trying to raise here that the when we look back we're like we're 60 something games into this season now with more than three quarters of the way through when you look back on it there have been some and we we kind of forget about it now but there have been some amazing wins along the way and i know we probably don't really care about those things right now given them maybe we shouldn't give the teams uh below 500 and maybe those those terrible losses um have gotten more play 
at the same time, there's just been some amazing wins this season. And when I was going through the uh, the list of wins that the team has had this season, th- 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 those are the moments where I was like, okay, this is why I believe this team can be a sixth seed, a fifth seed, have a similar seed to have a similar season to the one that the Knicks are having, having sort of thing. Like that was kind of what I was hopeful for on, on best case scenario. But obviously, we haven't hit that. But I'm thinking immediately. Of, of the back-to-back wins that the, the Bulls had earlier in the season, you know, back in November against the Celtics and Bucks, And we have a, a higher state for the win in the comments here, suggesting those ones as well. So, I mean, it's, it seems so long ago now, like it's almost four months ago, but those were some incredible wins against the two best teams in the East on back-to-back nights, essentially, or there was a game, uh, a day between, but what, what incredible wins they were. It's true, and I was I was at the I believe it was a home game against the Celtics, and then an away game the night before Thanksgiving. I drove up to Milwaukee for that one, and it was like, yeah, you're coming off this win, but you know what this Bulls team is, right? Like they're probably going to do something dumb or frustrating that will result in like completely washing away the goodwill that you built up from a great win. But no, they came out and they beat the Bucks. I believe Chris Middleton was definitely at that game. Drew Holiday might have also been. But it was just one of those games where, like, they dominated down the stretch. Um, and I think, you know, when we talk about the trade deadline or even, like, referring back to this team and their struggles last year, it's always about how did they perform against the top teams in the East. And so even, like, coming out of the gates and beating Miami in the season opener yeah. was a big, I think, yeah. step forward. But then mm-hmm. you had uh, a win, a great win against Boston in late October, and then you follow it up with another win against them in late November and this game against the Bucks, And it just makes you feel like the upside of this team, the the ceiling that they can play to is so much better. And if they could only get everything else settled, if they could only play to the level of their opponent, um, then they'd be in a much better spot. But for whatever reason, it's just become way more complicated than that. Definitely. And look, it, it just, it doesn't stop at the Celtics and Bucks as well. Like they had a fantastic win against the Nets back in January. We went, KD and both Kyrie were playing. KD had that seamless 44-point game where he just was completely stroking it, walking into jumpers. But the balls were equally as good. They had six guys in double figures that night, including Pat, who had you know 22 points, seven rebounds, something like that off the top of my head. So like, that was just a good collective win against a team at that point who was one of the best teams in the East. Like The, the, the Nets were surging at that point. So, And obviously, we know what happened to the Nets thereafter, but Again, that was a really, really tremendous win, as was that game against the Warriors, who, again, were a healthy Warriors team. They came into Chicago. We've seen what the Warriors have done in the UC in, in, the, you know, in, years, uh, in years prior. But Vooch had a freaking career night that night, 43 points, and the Bulls absolutely demolished, demolished the Warriors. And yeah, sure, the Warriors haven't been the Warriors this season, but they're still a good basketball team, a team that is sort of set up to sort of uh, uh, exploit the weaknesses of this Bulls team. And they were fantastic in that, in, in, against the Warriors. So like, there have been these examples where they have been really, really good, but for whatever reason, they've been far and few in between. And I think if we knew the answer to why that was, there would be, you know, a much better product on the court right now. Um, and I don't know, I think you, you balance out some of those good wins. There's been twice as many bad losses. And to me, I think those are more defining of who this team is like good teams are going to lose on off nights, or maybe they're not taking the bulls seriously for whatever reason, or maybe the, the shots don't fall or the bulls are just playing their best basketball on any given night. 
it's possible to win those games. I actually think it was more fluky last year that they didn't win any of them because mm. sometimes yeah. you just kind of like stumble into them. But to have this extended streak, this stretch of games where you're not able to beat um, what should be lower level opponents, where you're giving up 20 point losses, um, they're 14 and 15 against teams below 500. Um, I don't think that's as bad as it feels like it is. Like it feels like they should be much worse than that. But some of these games are just totally unacceptable losses. Um, you can point to last night as being, you know, I, I don't know how you would necessarily define that mark, but to me that was like a bad win, you know, because you've had losses against yeah. the Pacers where you're up 20 and you blow that one, or when you're playing the Pacers and you're up 20. And you blow that one. And I did not just record scratch. That actually happened two times in the course of the month of February. Um, they've just, these things have happened so many times that it's not like I'm giving credit to the Bulls for like not messing up the game last night. Like they, they yeah. did everything they could to lose that game and they just didn't. Can we call it a moral loss? Like it's the inverse of a moral victory, right? So is it, was it a moral loss? Like it felt like a loss at the end of it. Like I, I, my bank balance certainly felt felt the loss as I, as I expressed before, <laughs> but like it didn't feel like a win. I just felt shitty after it for, for a number of different reasons. But uh, yeah, to your point, like th- there's been so many inconceivable losses. And even though that record that you mentioned before, 14 and 15, against teams that are below 500, it just feels significantly more because there's been a lot of losses to a lot of bad teams. So again, uh, 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 Ohio State for the win in the comments suggesting that it's it's crazy that there have been multiple losses to the Rockets, Spurs, Hornets. I've listed here um, the, the couple losses that the Bulls have had to the Orlando, Orlando Magic, in particular that one where uh, Jalen Suggs had that buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. After Vooch bricked those two free throws, like there's just been like five, six, maybe seven games against these teams that are clearly closer to the tank race than they are than actually trying to compete. That somehow the Bulls have found ways to lose these games. And and again, like I've said this before, but like so much of this season or the theme of this season is about missed opportunities. Even if like two or three of those games could have, could have been converted to Ws. The, the Bulls are like clearly in the plane at this point. We're not having to monitor every freaking night like what the Raptors are doing, what the Hawks are doing, what the Wizards are doing, those sorts of things. So they just haven't taken care of business against opponents that you think that they should have. But uh, yeah, there's, there've been a lot of bad losses. So maybe we can quickly reference a few like I just touched on. The, the, that first loss to the, to the Magic was extremely, extremely painful. That we all know that they gave up 150 to the Wolves, but uh, there's been plenty of other ones in there that we can obviously hit on. And, and people, if you're tuning in on, on YouTube, feel free to uh, let us know some of these other bad losses that they've that we've had to witness. But William, do you have any others? The the one against the Magic that dropped the Bulls to I believe it was 11 and 18 or something like that. Um, that was the game where Zach got benched. It was the one that you just referenced where Jalen mm. Suggs hit the game winner. <laughs> that to me felt like absolute rock bottom um that was that was so brutal for so many levels but primarily because you just you know you you get beat by a worse team that happens you get beat on a buzzer beater that happens but the like dynamic between zach and billy donovan after that game was so uncomfortable and weird that really stood out to me um the the game after the trade deadline happened against the nets where arturis comes out and says you know, some of the power balance from the East has gone West, referring specifically to Kevin Durant <laughs> and Kyrie Irving leaving the Nets. And then to get absolutely punked by a team 
that doesn't even have Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson suiting up yet um, on the night where you decide you're good enough to not make any moves. That was just like a, a spiteful loss. Um, you know, the, the Timberwolves won 150. Um, I think that like, that was a really bad one, but it led to this stretch of good play. And I think it sort of convinced people that the bulls were better than they actually were. So I don't know if I would like necessarily put that in the uh, like longer term ramifications of that one weren't as bad. Um, but the other one that stands out is the Cleveland loss. And, um, you know, they've been, I think, swept by Cleveland this year. If they Which played. one? I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. So losses to the, the, the most, the most recent, so they played them back to back early, 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 earlier on in the season. But then like the first third game of the season, they played them and they lost yeah. by like 30. That was a bad one. Mm-hmm. The two that I think a lot of people referred to, um, Ohio State mentioned it earlier on in the chat where, you know, maybe the Bulls should have gotten wins in those, if not due to uh, some questionable overturned, yeah. later, later later overturned in the last two-minute report calls. Um, but giving up 71 to Donovan Mitchell and, you know, the the missed free throw, box out thing, like that was that was really bad. But I will say, like, I think those cancel each other out with the game that they won against the Magic. They were up 25. Magic cut it down to five with, like, two or three minutes to go and then the bulls like stumbled their way into a win. And then last night, again, you're bailed out by Jaden Ivey calling a timeout when the Pistons didn't have any. So I feel like those kind of cancel each other out at this point. Like we're, we're net neutral in terms of should have won, should have lost games. But I would say that Nets one really stands out as just like a, a slap in the face to like the direction of the team. Yeah, that's fair. And look, the the other one that I wanted to reference, and we can't again, we kind of forget about it now, given that it was a little while ago. But the Bulls had a terribly embarrassing loss to the Knicks. Now, granted, the Knicks are a good team. Like that, in the in the scheme of things, losing to the Knicks probably shouldn't hurt as much as lose, losing to the Rockets or to or OKC, as Aiden is mentioning in the comments here. The Rockets lost like two inferior teams or teams that we assume are inferior, like those. Those should hurt more than like losing to good teams like the Knicks are this season. But in, in the context of those Knicks losses, uh, the Bulls had lost in overtime one night earlier uh, against the Knicks. To then follow that up, it was, a, it was a home-and-home sort of situation for the Bulls. To follow that up where at one point they were down by 30-something against the Knicks, getting absolutely pummeled. And the only highlight from a Chicago standpoint was when Derrick Rose checked into into the game and people were shouting out MVP for a guy on the other team. When they're down <laughs> that 30. Was, you, you mentioned you mentioned that 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 um, magic loss from his rock bottom. Like this kind of felt <laughs> this kind of felt like rock bottom too. Uh, too. So I, I guess the point is they've hit rock bottom a number of times. So maybe they haven't necessarily hit hit it just yet. But uh, that to me well, was I, a bad loss as well. But I think that's kind of the point that we're talking about here. Is like. You can count up some of these great wins that they've had, and they have had some great wins. But they've just for every good win that they've had, they've had two terrible losses. Like the other, the last two I want to point out because we could go on all day. Yeah. Where you're, it's end of January. You you uh, just got home from Paris. You beat the Pistons, and then you come back and you beat the Hawks, and you've got a chance to get yourself uh, to 500 basically before the end of the month. You've got Indiana, Charlotte. Orlando and you blow a 20 point lead to Indiana. And then two days later you lose to the Hornets without, I, I believe was, was LaMelo ball not playing in that game or 
you know, maybe it was somebody else. Mm-hmm. One of their best players, I think, was out of the lineup. Um, but just like really despicable stuff. And it, I think to me, like that's really a better sense of who you are than your good wins is like these bad losses. I think that really is the indicator of what this team is this year. Yeah. And again, to sum it all up, like we're talking about this because yesterday's game against the Pistons kind of felt like both of those things. Like the, like I said, that first half kind of felt like they were just taking care of business, very professional in the way they're approaching it. They were sort of playing on the same level they were playing against in some of those good wins that we're seeing to all of a sudden flips, uh, the switch is flipped and then you're back to shit for whatever reason. It just, yeah, yesterday's game was a perfect microcosm of this season in so many ways. So uh, that's why we wanted to discuss it, Bulls fans. So uh, um, apologies for, um, you know, having having you, uh, having you to live through some, some of that trauma again, but um, we wanted to share that pain and, Maybe our shared pain through it, you know, collectively will help us get through it all, I guess. That's 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 the intent here. Group therapy session, everyone. But uh, which is odd given that the Bulls did win a game yesterday. But nonetheless, it it, it just does feel like a bit of a somber moment at the, at, at the moment. And I guess part of that is the whole Vooch Bev thing has been maybe one of the biggest things to talk away uh, to talk about from yesterday's game. But we'll come back and, and discuss that in more detail after we pay these bills. William, can you tell our friends about Goose Island? I would love to tell our friends about Goose Island. Goose Island, I was drinking it last night when we were at our wash party at PB&J. And I don't know, yeah, I don't know how much of of a, you know, how much you've had a chance to hear about this, but just an awesome time with some of our friends who are in the comments right now coming to hang out with us, watch the Bulls game. We're all feeling good because they're up 20. You know, we're joking around. Should we just like take, you know, leave leave during the fourth quarter, head back to the studio to get ready for post game? But no, things got tight. Um, but it was fun to be able to watch that and, and share that moment with all of our friends that came out to watch with us and drink Goose Island with us. Um, Goose Island is a Chicago beer company. They've been Chicago's beer since 1988, and they've got an incredible amount of awesome drinks uh, that you should go check out from the Blackhawks Pale Ale to the Bulls 312 Limited Release, which is the can that matches the Municipal Y um, city edition uniforms that the Bulls are wearing this year, an ode to Chicago's architecture with the rust colors representing the city's bridge. They've got the 312 Wheat Ale. They've got Bourbon County Stout, Christmas IPA, Bear Hug, Beer Hug IPA, Green Line, Matilda. Um, but I was knocking back some, uh, some of the 312s, the classic Wheat Ales last night. Um, we are going to have, at some point in the, in the coming weeks, um, and I believe Mr. Mark K will be around for one of these events, but we're going to, we're going to have another watch party, hopefully at one of the goose Island locations um, for you guys to come hang out and watch the bulls game. So we'll have more information on that. Uh, It's going to be really fun. I think this one that we had last night was a great indicator that these are going to go well and that people are going to come hang out and watch the bulls and enjoy themselves. So you should come and do that. But even in between those events, Goose Island has two local locations that are open and ready to welcome you. Grab a beer right from their innovation tanks at the Goose Island Tap Room at 1800 West Fulton, or get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brew House at 1800 North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations. Goose Island Beer Company, it's our favorite sponsor here at CHGO. 100%. So we love we love Goose Island. They are massive supporters of what we do here at CHGO, as are our friends at DraftKings. Um, friends, 
maybe I'm not the best person to take advice from given that my mantra this season has been don't bet on the Bulls. And despite having that mantra, I've, I've bet on the Bulls twice this week and on each occasion they've let me down. So I guess my, uh, my saying here is take my advice in the sense that you shouldn't bet on the Bulls. But don't listen to me in terms of actually following through with the actions. Completely just avoid the bulls. So when you are jumping on the DraftKings uh, website, the DraftKings app, whatever it is you're doing, there are many other opportunities to make money whilst you know catching your favorite sporting event. Again, not bulls games. Don't bet on the bulls. But tonight, for example, the Wizards and Raptors are playing a very important game that have implications for the bulls and the plane race, all those sorts of things. I've actually got money here, William, on... Um, on the Raptors to win this game. So that is my pick of the week for this week. I've got that set up with with with, uh, with DraftKings. And friends, you can too, if you just download the app and sign up using the promo code CHGO, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's $200. That's freaking amazing. So you can only get that at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports, uh, sports betting partner of the NBA with promo code CHGO. Of course, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. But $5, you put that in, you can get up to $200 in bonus bets. What an offer, William. And again, don't bet that $5 on the Bulls. Don't do it. Put it somewhere else. Put it somewhere else. <laughs> the moral story is to always fade Mark. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Hasn't been a. I don't know. It's been a productive win. I mean, I'm in the black still this week, but nonetheless. Uh, What's your? What was your pick of the week for the uh, the Wizards Raptors? What's the line on that? Let's uh, see if I can pull it up here. We got Raptors minus one and a half. So you're taking. The Raptors to win that. You've taken money yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think when I put it on, it was minus. It was literally one point that had to win by one point. So that when I put it on, at least, so maybe it's moved since. But uh, yeah, it's basically a, a 50-50 toss up. So I've got my money on the uh, on the Raptors getting it done. The Raptors, I think, have won eight of ten games, something of that nature. So uh, I'm feeling good about them. And I just I just like the the Acapurtle edition. I just feel I just feel differently about this Raptors team now. I'm, I'm kind of back in on them. Um, which isn't good for the from a Bulls point of view, but um, I'm feeling good about my money tonight. Hopefully, the game's kicking off in in four minutes' time, maybe in in two and a half hours' time. This confidence that I have will be waning dramatically, and I would have lost a few more dollars. But uh, time will tell, William. Time will tell. But uh, let's continue the show. And and this is what this is an interesting thing that I wanted to discuss more with you in detail because you guys touched it on the post game last night. Obviously, you clipped it up, you put it on socials. Um, I'm blaming you if there is any uh, issues between Vooch and Bev going forward. Uh, I'm actually going to blame you go- for, for that. I'm not, I'm not blaming them for the, the miscues on the defense. I'm blaming you for for putting it on TV. Not, well, not on TV. It was already on TV, but putting it on social yeah, and making it, it more of an issue. You, you're just that influential of a person that you have the ability to just continue to uh, put this Bulls locker room into disarray. So let's talk about Vooch, Bev, them clearly getting into some sort of exchange um, what did you make of it all? Like, I, and again, I know you guys spoke about it on post game, but I want to get into it in a little bit more detail. And uh, particularly after Joe Cowley, my mate Joe Cowley, released uh, an interesting article this morning, getting into that um, whole exchange a little bit more uh, in his in his written form, uh, at least earlier today. But William, what did you think of it all? It was interesting when I first saw it. You just like see Patrick Beverly sort of directing Vooch and like telling him he should have been where he was or where he wasn't at the wrong time. Um, and you rewatch the play. And basically what happened was 
Vooch was guarding Marvin Bagley, and Marvin Bagley steps to that elbow to go set a stagger screen for somebody coming off of um, off of that action to come get the ball and get a jump shot. And as that was happening, Jaden Ivey just beats Patrick Beverly one-on-one, straight line drive to the basket. And obviously, because Vooch was going out to the elbow to stay with his man, there was nobody at the rim to protect the rim. Um, and Ivey just got a, an open bucket. And so to me, like watching that, it was on both of those guys. Like Vooch was sticking with his, the guy who was supposed to be guarding, but also you have to have the awareness of like, if there's somebody coming down main street, you got to put your body in front of the rim and, yeah. and try to deter the shot. And also like Patrick Beverly, I mean, you're supposed to be uh, all defensive player. Like you, you can do a little bit better to keep your man in front of you. So to me, that was just like a defensive breakdown on both sides. And for, I, like, I, I don't think Patrick Beverly knew that Vooch was doing what he was doing, which was, again, going to follow his man out to the closer to the perimeter. And so he was telling him, like, dude, what are you doing here? You're not, like, going to stand in your spot. And Vooch was like, well, I'm going to guard my guy. He's going over there. Like, what do you want me to do? And I, I thought it was just, like, a pretty strange from both of them to get so heated about it. And, to, I mean, that was five minutes, six minutes left in the game. You're blowing a 20-point lead. Like, you have to have more composure than that. Um, who knows what the aftermath of that was in the locker room, like you mentioned, and maybe you can get into it more. There was an article by Joe Colley of the Sun-Times who got more into sort of the details of Vooch feeling a little, um, you know, target of some uh, just like he's been dealing with this kind of a lot, it seems like. Yeah, well, let me read the key the key quote here from Cowley. In, uh, he writes, in court, according to a source close to the situation, Vucevic has not been thrilled with some of the recent finger pointing going on. And this wasn't the first time he was unhappy with the tone in which he and other teammates were spoken to. So that's what Joe has written in his piece today. Uh, interesting that would, this would be, uh, I guess, the, the the note coming out of this whole thing. And it kind of like felt like that was the way he reacted and the, and the way he blew up in that instance. Like, I, I just, I don't understand it. Like, yeah, okay, Patrick Bailey could have done more at a point of attack. Okay, he could have gotten, uh, he put, could have put his body in the way. He he, he let uh, Jaden Knight get downhill way, way too easily. And if you give that guy one semblance of a first step, then he's getting to the rim pretty much every single time. So Pat didn't do enough at the point of attack, but like Vooch just had no idea, had just had no idea that the play on ball was happening. And okay, fine, you have to sort of cover your man off, but your man was James Wiseman who's hanging around the elbow, which is not necessarily really a threat anyway. So you kind of have to keep an eye on Wiseman, but you also have to keep an eye on the ball, and he clearly just didn't do the latter part. So uh, I, I didn't understand why Vooch was so angry about being called out. And I guess that per, per what, what uh, Callie wrote here, like maybe his emotions just you know overtook him at that point because he just hasn't liked the fact that whether it's Beverly, whether it's other people speaking in such a tone where they're being called out for certain things. And if that's the source of his frustration, I guess I got no sympathy for him in that, in that instance. Like, okay, fine. Like Pat Bev didn't play a perfect defensive possession there either. And he deserves some blame, but for you to act the way he did when clearly you're in the help position, and you didn't help just, just, just own it, dude. Like just, all right, just put your hand up and say, yeah, I got it wrong. Like, just, just own it. But if he's for whatever reason not willing to own it or getting annoyed in that in that particular instance, just because he doesn't like the tone or the volume or the amplification of the way someone's talking back to him in those scenarios, like it's like, 
come on. Like, you have to be better than this, particularly in the situation where the balls are at. Like, one, you knew what Pat Bev was coming in to do because, one, you needed this type of player to, to really ignite you as a team. But you're also in losing situations. You're in losing situations for a number of different reasons. But, you know, in these, in these particular scenarios, when you are in lo- losing situations, like, everyone needs to be aligned. You need to be amenable to feedback at this point. And for whatever reason, he, he just didn't want to hear anything from him. So I guess the more I think about it, well, like, there's just no good reasoning or no good outcome or no good justification as to why Vooch blew up so much about it because ultimately he kind of looks a little silly, to be honest with you. Uh, so I, I don't get it, to be honest with you. Just just take the feedback, put your hand up, say you were wrong and just move on. But instead it turned into a thing or, well, maybe it's not an actual thing. Maybe we're blowing it up. Maybe Cowley's blowing it up. Maybe the fan base more generally is blowing it up. But it just felt weird in the moment. Like, what are, what are you doing? Well, to tie this back to what we addressed sort of at the top of the show in terms of thinking about these things through a micro versus macro level, this is what gave me this idea to talk about it this way, because to me, this is just like one example of something that has like limitless impact on the way that the Bulls have struggled this year. You can look at it a a couple of different ways. Like one, they're the number two, I think, defense now, maybe number three since January 1st, sixth or seventh on the year. They've been great, but like, how real is that when you're just getting blown by off the dribble and there's nobody there to protect the rim? Um, obviously, this is a offensive-driven league. It's a stars league. When you are as talented and as athletic as Jaden Ivey is, you're going to beat your man. That's just how it goes. Um, but it's not like they were in their set, you know, standard drop coverage on a pick and roll. It was like an isolation. There was no screening action mm-hmm. on the ball, and so I think a lot of times in those situations, like the defense is still getting set or Vooch was following. I I thought it was Bagley, but it was Wiseman um, out to the perimeter. So yes, he should have responded, I think a little bit differently and just taken the blame or at least like dissipated the, the tension that was clearly bubbling up. Um, But so that I thought was sort of a, a macro element of this in terms of just how real is a defense? Can you really build a defense around Vucevic, um, or Vucevic, Levine, and DeRozan together. How possible is that? How real is what they're doing? Um, we can talk about it in terms of the locker room stuff that Cowley's bringing up, which is, is there anybody in there to hold these guys accountable? Um, you and I have been defenders of Billy Donovan. I think he's done as good a job with the tools that he has to work with as you possibly could. But I think the one area where you can really criticize him is holding the stars accountable. And I think Patrick Beverly was brought in to do you know a couple things, but I think that was that was a big part of it was to just come in there and say like you can't just loaf around like we gotta play defense we gotta defend we gotta guard like we gotta move the ball you can't just like have this roster of guys that looks like they're not interested um, and so I think Patrick Beverly in this instance represents sort of the for lack of a better term like the dog that you know, the dog in the bulls, like that just they're that they don't have. Um, so I think that's an element of it. And then just, yeah, like I said, the locker room ramifications of like holding each other accountable on the court, I think is different than like what, what you do in closed doors in the locker room afterwards to try to respond from something like that. I think if the bulls end up losing that game, this gets blown up even more than it does yeah but again we're not talking about this as like a good win we're talking about this as a skating away by you know the hair on your chin type of situation 
And, you know, how does this, how do they resolve this in the locker room? How do they come away from this situation um, as a stronger unit? And like, can they even get to that point? Yeah, and look, the, the reason why this has been magnified to, to the degree that it has been is like this came deep in the fourth quarter when the Bulls were giving up those points. I think it was either the scoreline after the basket or just before the basket was 106-100, whatever the, whatever the scoreline was. So like the Pistons had erased a 21-point lead. At that point, it was down to six points. And maybe if this possession happens in the first or second quarter where the Bulls are you know thoroughly do, uh, dominating the Pistons in that point, Maybe it's not even a thing that we even reference, but the fact that it came in that fourth quarter period where they were just getting owned more generally, that's probably why it's just stood out a little bit more. But on some level as well, I kind of get it from Vooch's perspective. Like no one likes no one likes the guy that just gets hired to, you know, just starts a, a new job. Like, he's new to the company, let's say. You've been there five years, whatever it is. You've been applying your trade. You know how you do to, to do the job. And then there's this just annoying guy that's just started coming in, trying to mix things up, change, trying to change all your processes that you've, you've had in place for years. This, this annoying guy that just won't stop talking. It's been here for two seconds and he's already yelling at me like, just, just shut up. Like, I understand it. Like, so I think in, for a lot of us in our actual real life world, probably I sympathize a lot with Vooch in this scenario. But like I said, given where the Bulls are at, given that game uh, more, more uh, specifically, like he just had no argument, I guess. So ultimately, Pat Bev is right, but I, I guess that's where I land on. Like, does does this exchange happen, or does Vooch have maybe more? I don't know. Maybe respect's not the word, right word for it, but more of a temperament or more of a willingness to hear from Pat Bev. If, if maybe Bev was here a little bit earlier instead of it being this this guy who's literally just arrived on the scene and he's yelling at me for some reason. Like, I, I again, like I understand it from Vooch's point of view as to why that would be annoying, why you'd be not wanting to hear it. But regardless of that, um, you know, I, I get it from that point of view. But at the same time, I, I just wonder if Patrick Beverly has, has enough time here to really, I guess, have that sort of level of respect or command or have the ability to come out here and start, you know, yapping the way he is. Now, I, I'm not against it. I'm certainly not saying that I don't want him doing like doing that because that's what he's brought here to do. The Bulls need that type of person. But for whatever reason... In this situation, Vooch hasn't responded to it. And as we sort of suggested based on Cali's report, he hasn't liked the way that the, the, the people have been talking or the tone that people have been talking about recently, which is, you know, interesting. But anyways, like I said, I, I, I agree well, I with everything Pat Bev did, but it's just it's just a interesting uh, dynamic now between these players and if there's been enough time to really settle this whole thing through. I think that you can zoom out from this even further. So you have like the play itself and you zoom out yeah. and you talk about like Patrick Beverly and his leadership and Vooch being the scapegoat and constantly being like reprimanded by the other guys on the team and being put down because he's not making 42% of his three point shots and all this. And then you zoom out even further. And it's like the same thing that we saw last year with Tristan Thompson as the one addition that the bulls made throughout, throughout the course of the season off the buyout market where this guy comes in and he's kind of this past his prime player. He used to be a very, you know, reliable um, dependable guy, but was clearly past his prime, was clearly not very productive. All of a sudden he's coming in and, and bossing people around. And it's just very difficult when you enter a locker room that has prided itself so much on continuity and keeping things as they are and, and not making any major changes to the personnel because we like our guys. Um, I thought it was very similar to that. And it makes you ask this question, um, you know, 
which we've all been wondering, like, why haven't there been any other changes? Like, are the personalities in this locker room meshing? Like, we have the questions about on the court, if that's working. We have the questions about the defensive side, about the offensive side. Um, you know, why, why is this team that's built around three offensive stars 24th in offense? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But I think you can zoom out further and just talk about it in terms of the personalities in the locker room and, like, even beyond that to, like, the roster construction as a whole. And is it time to sort of take all these things into account and make some changes? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, Patrick Beverly in, Goran Dragic out. Seemingly Dragic is potentially on his way to Milwaukee per watch. Uh, maybe we can discuss that in a little bit more detail and maybe close the show looking ahead to the Bulls-Suns matchup that's coming up. But before we do, William, can you tell everyone about FOCO? FOCO, faux show. Um You've already got the best coverage of your favorite sports teams. That's us at CHGO. You're watching us for Bulls. You're watching us for our baseball teams that are starting up spring training. We've got the guys in Indianapolis for the combine and all the stuff that's going on with the NFL draft. We've got you covered. So you may as well also get covered with the best sports gear around. If that's what you want, check out foco.com. They've got you covered from Soldier Field to the living room. North side, south side, you got your hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like Damar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles, FOCO. If you're looking for the perfect gift for Bears fan in your life, like I mentioned, the combine's starting up. They've got Bears gear. Spring training is underway. You can get Cubs and Sox stuff. Um, everything you want to keep warm as the storm front is rolling in here we're going to get a ton of snow tomorrow there's sweatshirts there's coats and then summer's around the corner hopefully um and you can get yourself some teas and tanks and all that good stuff too so check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-sale non-presale items you can use promo code chgo and get 10 percent off that's foco.com promo code chgo did you just say snow is rolling into chicago yeah, it was 50 degrees on Tuesday. It was beautiful outside. People were drinking on rooftops. And then on Friday, we we're getting a big storm coming in. God damn it. Well, I, yeah. I'm in Chicago in exactly 10 days. I don't I don't own snow clothes. So maybe I have to go into FOCO and buy like a pre, pre-order some uh, some snow gear or some, I don't know. I don't know if FOCO sells snow gear specifically, but I need to get maybe some more... Uh, some more layers added to me, but uh, damn it. Several inches, gonna... several inches of snow. Bundle up, people. I thought I was going avo- to avoid it, but uh, damn it. It might be, you know what? If there's anything I, I know about Chicago, it's that the next day it might be 50 and sunny. So there's no there's no point in trying to predict these things. Hey, Aiden in the comments suggesting that I need to get snow, boat, uh, snow boots. I- I've seen the snow like once in my life, once. I don't know. I've experienced like sub-zero just temperatures maybe like a handful of times in my existence. The fact that this is what I'm going to be living through for the next two weeks, I'm just going to be a, a salty, annoying bastard during those two weeks that I'm there. But uh, damn it. Like, I own one pair of shoes. The one pair of shoes that I have are like Vans that I bought like from 13, 14 years ago and they got holes all over them. Those shoes. What are, are you wearing? It's not shoes. A, uh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways. Thank you for reading about, about FOCO. Let me tell everyone about <laughs> ComEd. I'll stop complaining about the weather. Instead, 
I want to tell you about ComEd. So ComEd is an efficient energy efficiency program committed to helping families and businesses in their communities save money and save energy. So ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help everyone find energy saving opportunities, whether that's in lighting, your HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or any industrial processes. So an authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment uh, assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person, virtually, whatever it may be, and they last generally around two hours. So within three to four weeks, William, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can implement uh, and most importantly, you can get them started right right away. So each recommendation will include uh, an estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback systems. So don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today for energy uh, for energy saving tips and your you know your willingness to schedule a, a free facility assessment. Go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. So if you're ready to sign up for a, a facility assessment, ring our friends at Comed 1-855-433-2700 during normal business hours to speak to a Comed energy efficiency program rep. Or you could email them at businessee at comed.com to request an assessment online or even at their website, comed.com forward slash a facility assessment. Alrighty, well, let's finish off this podcast. Um, no more complaining about the weather, friends. Instead, we're going to talk about the Bulls versus Suns, which is coming up on Friday evening. That's going to be a fun, fun game. Kevin Durant's second game as a, uh, a Phoenix Sun. Uh, this much vaunted and much discussed Bulls defense is in for an interesting evening having to face up and somehow t- trying to figure out how to guard the likes of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul, not to mention uh, DeAndre Ayton. They're rolling, rolling to the rim from center position. So, William, I wanted to do a bit of a deep dive into this game, more generally because we don't necessarily get to talk a lot about games on this uh, on this edition of, of, of Balls HQs or CHGO Balls HQs anyway. We're typically reacting to news. And um, as we sort of th- uh, said throughout this season, it hasn't always been ba- uh, good news. But I want to look ahead to, to this game coming up because it should be hope. Well, it might not be good news cross. tomorrow either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we were recording this podcast, maybe the game after, um, maybe it wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be good news. But at least at this point, I like to theorize about what will or won't happen. So uh, how do you actually see the Bulls matching up against these New Look Suns? Do you think the Bulls defense has any chance against stopping Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Co.? Well, I have been, again, we're going to think about the defense with this game in mind, but zoom out to sort of overall, how real is this number seven overall defense in the NBA? And do they actually have a chance to defend a team like that? Mm -hmm. You pulled a quote from... Um, a press conference with Hornets coach Steve Clifford. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you mind? I don't know if you have it pulled up. I can find it if not. But just reading exactly what that quote was, because I think it is pretty, pretty harsh words, I think, for for some Bulls fans out there. Yeah. So after yesterday's game, so uh, sorry, Kevin Durant debuting it for the Suns yesterday against the against the Hornets. And Steve Clifford was asked by Nikias Duncan yesterday, like, how is how have offenses evolved? How have defenses sort of responded responded to that? And he uh, he gave a really detailed answer. But the, the quote that I pulled from, or the, the one specific quote that I pulled from his larger uh, his larger spiel there was he he referenced that two of the top seven defenses right now. If you look at their coverages and stuff, this is his exact words: they're not good, <laughs> but they are great at 
same thing. They don't give up fast break points. They, they rebound the ball and they don't foul. Now, I made the inference here that he was talking about the Chicago Bulls. He mentioned two of the top seven teams don't necessarily have great coverages or they're not necessarily great in those specific coverages, but more generally, they do a lot of the basic things well. And I just assumed he was referencing the Chicago Bulls. Maybe I'm wrong in assuming that, but that that's what I took from that quote anyway. And that's kind of how I feel about this Bulls defense more generally. Like when you're watching specific uh, specific possessions, like with the, like the one we referenced before, the Patrick Beverly Vooch, uh, you know, miscue on defense. When you look at that in isolation, you just think, all right, this team is just terrible on defense. How could they possibly actually stop anyone? But then when you start expanding this out and thinking about, all right, what are the baseline things you need to have? to be an okay defense at least, not necessarily a great defense, but an okay defense, the Bulls do those things pretty well, which I think helps explain why they have been a good defense. Like they're, they a are... A high floor this, defense. Sorry? A high floor defense, I think. A high floor... Well, if that's your terminology, you're, you're happy to use that. I, I think they are a good de- a good defense and um, I, I, I believe they are a good defense. So, look, And the reason why I, th- I think that is the case because if you're a team that rebounds well and I know people like to think that the Bulls don't do this and I know specifically the, the other night when they were absolutely dominated against the, on the offensive glass by the Toronto Raptors, maybe people don't necessarily think that's the case but the Bulls are one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the NBA. They rank third in defensive rebound percentage. They're also eighth in the NBA in terms of limiting opponent free throw rates. So they're cleaning up defenses in terms of like they're finishing possessions with rebounding. They don't send teams to the line, so they don't foul a lot. So teams aren't getting necessarily a lot of free points at the free throw line. And the Bulls are really good at keeping teams away from getting into transition. So if you do those things well, like generally speaking, you have a real chance to being a good defense, a competent defense at least. And you know, if you do those things well, and then on occasion you actually get your rotations right, which on occasion the Bulls the Bulls do, you know, you can be a very good defense. So, do I think they're the best defense in the NBA? A top three defense, a top five defense, not necessarily, but do I think there's smoke and mirrors in them being like a top ten, top twelve defense? No, I don't think so. I think they have that capability, which again. Maybe inherently people don't think that because you're a team built around Vooch, Demar, and Zach. So, like, how can you possibly have a good defense with those guys? But I think more generally, they just get the fundamentals right, which is why I think in a lot of cases, in certain matchups, they can be a good defense. Now, having said that, bringing this back to tomorrow's game, even if you are a freaking good defense, when you go up against guys like Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton, I'm not sure there is a freaking... I don't know if there is a defensive scheme out there that could possibly stop this team. Maybe the Bucks have that scheme, but that is literally probably the only team I think who could maybe stop this level of Suns offense, which is kind of crazy to say given we've only seen one them uh, with one game with, with Kevin Durant in the lineup. But in that one game that I've seen them play, but thinking about it, theorizing what this Suns offense can be, it just kind of feels devastating already. And even though I believe this Bulls off, sorry, Bulls defense is good and sound, and I have more faith in it than maybe what some other people do, I don't know how they're going to stop this team at all. I have no idea. Yeah, I think just to sort of rewind a little bit, basically what this Steve Clifford quote was saying is like there are teams that don't necessarily execute their coverage their coverages perfectly, but they're yeah. always giving themselves a chance yeah. by by contesting shots by not fouling and giving opponents easy opportunities at the free throw line 
by getting back. And we know the, the trade-off between offensive rebounding and opponent transition opportunities, right? Like if you're sending four or five guys to go attack the offensive glass, that leaves you vulnerable on the back end for transition opportunities. The Bulls do not offensive rebound. And as a result, they're able to get back in transition. So they don't give opponents easy baskets that way. They don't give them easy baskets in the form of getting at the free throw line. And they've got really good individual one-on-one defenders at the point of attack that are able to get over screens and force guys into, you know, tough situations in the mid range where they, where they've either got to pull up and make tough shots or they've got to kick it out and force the bulls to get in rotations. I think once you're in rotation is where the bulls have struggled a little bit, but I think with Patrick Beverly and Caruso out there together, their floor is much higher. And that's why I say they have a high floor defense because those three things I think always put you in a position to, to do well, to be a competent, good defense. And then it's just a matter of like, do guys make or miss shots? And the bulls have had some good luck in terms of opponents having low three point percentage against them, despite the bulls allowing opponents to take a lot of threes. So that's not necessarily like the best recipe, but again, you're always putting yourself in a good position and forcing offenses to beat you in the half court. Now, like you said, to take this back to the Suns, they are a team that can really exploit teams in the half court. I don't think they're going to be running up and down a lot. They've got some older guys, yep. not like the most athletic up and down kind of team. And, you know, all three of those things are going to be super important. Like KD, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, all incredible foul drawers. They can get themselves to the free throw line a ton. So the Bulls have to be very careful about that. DeAndre Ayton, incredible offensive rebounder if he wants to be. So the Bulls have to be very careful not to allow those second chance opportunities because those oftentimes lead to open dunks or kickouts for open threes. That can be detrimental. So I think that they're going to be in a good position, as good a position as they always are to defend well. And it's just a matter of like, do KD and Devin Booker make their shots tomorrow? And that I, I will always bet on good offense beating good defense. And I think that's why we can both agree. Like, I don't think if you simulated out the numbers and the way that they're playing, if you simulate that out a hundred times, they're probably not a top three, top five defense most of the time, but they're probably around 10. And so I think they have a chance to compete with any of these teams. And that's why their point differential has been so good over the last several months. Um, that's why their defense has been top six, top seven over the last several months. But it's just the offensive side that it's really weird, but they're not able to keep pace with some of these other teams. Raptors, terrible matchup. I don't think that was – I think they were just kind of like set up for failure in that one. Um, Pistons, like Zach had 40. He obviously can get going whenever he wants. And it's just a matter of like, you know, if we want to play the continuity game, why are Booch, Zach, and, um, and DeRozan still unable to play off of one another to the point where they can really beat teams on the offensive side of the ball? Because I think if you're playing – as well as the Bulls have defensively over the last stretch. They're going to be in this game tomorrow. Um, you know, Booker gave them 50 earlier on in the season, so it's not going to be easy, but they they still need to put the ball in the basket, and they need to do that at a high level enough to compete with some of these teams. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot to hit on there, but I, I think, I mean, ignoring the offense thing just for the moment because I'm – I'm not surprised that they're bad on offense um, and we, we hit on why that is all the time. But I think y- your ability to be a good offense is just so limited when you have your ap- 
you're fundamentally the worst jump shooting team in the NBA from three. Like to me, that's not a surprise as to why the Bulls are so bad on offense. There's just so many things you can't do when you have that little of shooting. But anyway, coming back to the defensive side of things, like the main point that I want to hit on that you raised, which I think is the most pertinent thing when it relates to the Suns, is even though I'm a believer in the fundamental things this Bulls defense gets right, the thing that you said that was most true to me was you put this team in rotation, they can be exposed. Um, even though I believe in their ability to not draw fouls, to, to limit transition, get on the boards, all that sort of stuff. If you put this Bulls team into rotation, they're going to have some problems. And that's why the teams like the Warriors, for example, or teams more generally who are fantastic movers of the ball, movers of bodies, cutting cutting all over the place, those teams have a really good chance of exposing this Bulls defense. The minute it gets in rotation, that's when it can be exposed. And the reason why... I'm so high on this Suns team, which again is not a, you know, it's not a take that I'm just harboring. Like literally, everyone feel, feels like that, that that this team could potentially win the Western Conference. Anytime you have got guys like KD and Booker and CP and, and Aiton on a team, like that's a freaking good team. But uh, the thing that this Suns team is going to cause problems with, not just the Bulls, but every single team, is they're going to put you in so much rotation because you're going to have so many choices to make. Like or so, so many decisions to make, I should say, because I don't know if you're running a a a Chris Paul, uh, DeAndre Ayton pick and roll, like you've got a decision on how you're going to guard that pick and roll, but then you also have to think about like, what what are we doing with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant? Are those guys sitting on second side waiting to run a secondary pick and roll action, and how the, how are we going to navigate from one pick and roll where you've got uh, Chris Paul and Aiton going at it, and then all oh by the way, you've got. <laughs> Devin Booker and and, um, and Kevin Durant on doing their thing on on the other side of the court, and just by the way, you've got someone like Tory Craig or you know Josh Okogi sort of roaming baseline, and you've got to have a body on those guys as well because if you don't, they're going to ha- absolutely destroy you on the offensive glass. So uh, I think CJ Artiste in the in the comments here sort of steal my thunder a little bit, but I actually think because the the Suns going to put the balls in so much rotation that I think DeAndre Ayton is going to have a real chance to uh, absolutely feast against this Bulls team because there's going to be so much attention on the, the at the point of attack. You're going to see Vooch up at the up, 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 up at the level, helping guys like Bev and Caruso trying to guide the likes of uh, CP3, Durant and Booker that I think Ayton's just going to get on the rope in particular. He's just going to find it so easy to find these looks. These guys are going to find him. And because the Bulls are going to be in so much rotation on those main guys, DeAndre Ayton is just going to feast on this team. So I'm expecting it to be a bit of a bloodbath, to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm predicting a, a big line for, for DeAndre Ayton, who um, the Bulls can be exposed against drop bigs. Uh, sorry, against or well, their drop defense can be exposed against bigs like that who can roll to the rim. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really tough tomorrow. So that's that's my takeaway. Well, I think the other the other thing that stood out to me over the last stretch of games is the Bulls are switching one five a lot. Um, and I was actually asking Alex Cruz about this because it seemed kind of new to me. Apparently, they've been doing it a bit, but I think it's really ramped up over the last stretch of games here. But I think the Bulls become so much more schemable when they do that because. When you talk about the Bulls' strengths, defensive rebounding and finishing out possessions and not allowing second-chance possessions for the opposing team is so important to their defensive identity. When yeah. you draw Vooch into a pick-and-roll and you have him switch, and I think Chris Paul's going to probably do this all night, mm-hmm. you get Vooch out on the perimeter, 
not only is Chris Paul have a chance to really roast him because he's Chris Paul and Vooch is Vooch, but you're also taking away the Bulls' only real defensive rebounder away from the basket. And you, you make them so much more vulnerable to offensive rebounds. That's why the Raptors absolutely yeah. cooked the Bulls in the fourth quarter because yeah. Siakam was getting Vooch on him and he was just isolating and facing up and there was nobody there to box out Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi and the Bulls just had no chance at that point. So I think, you know, we will spend probably a whole episode on the offense next week, but um, there's easy ways to exploit them there that the Bulls still haven't figured out in terms of trapping DeMar um, and not being able to beat those, um, those high double situations. But I think defensively teams are, are starting to be able to pick the Bulls apart. And that's where I think like this high floor Defense is really solid and valuable during a regular season when teams aren't thinking about how to scheme you and and beat you in those situations. But when teams start to figure that stuff out and they see the blueprint of let's just bring Vooch out to the perimeter, that's not like a novel concept. I mean, teams are doing that to bigs every single night. But when they do that, they just leave so much open. Um, obviously, it's like a mismatch that you can exploit. But again, with the defensive rebounding, um, with the not fouling because now you're in rotation. It just really opens up the bulls and kind of pokes holes in the things that they're good at. So they're just going to have to be super tight, stay on a string. And like I said last night, you know, they, they just got to play perfect basketball. If they're making a conscious decision to switch one through five, I'm extremely concerned and I maybe take back all the things I've said about their good defense because like that's just inviting to, to everything you just said. Um, your defense being absolutely cooked. Switch one through four. Yeah, that makes sense. Switch one through five when your center is Nikola Vucevic. Yeah, no, 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 no. Let's not do that. Yeah, but um, one four red drop is like pretty standard. I mean, every team is doing that. But when you start yeah, switching yeah. the the five onto guards, it's it can get ugly. Yeah, you gotta have the personnel for that. And uh, I love me some Vucci, but he ain't a he ain't a center I want to switch with, but uh, particularly against his son's team. But we will find out how it all on plays uh, oh, plays out rather tomorrow evening. So friends, come back to CHGO. The, the guys will have pregame and postgame obviously tomorrow. We'll be back here six p.m. CT, I believe. Uh, the games is it a seven seven p.m. CT game? Uh, I believe that's the case. It's a home home game for the Bulls, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So William will be at the UC. Big Dave and. Matthew Peck will be in studio get, uh, getting you guys up to speed from a P- pre-game and post-game. Uh, thank you all for joining us here today on uh, the HQ edition of CHGO Balls. We appreciate you, everyone tuning in, whether it's on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, whatever it might be. Appreciate your support. Hit the like on the way out, friends. That will be uh, extremely helpful to us. Thank you to um, young Sefi Spathis for producing the show and, of course, our uh, amazing sponsors, including DraftKings and Goose Islands. But our uh, friends... Thank you for joining us on this episode of CHGO Bulls. We'll uh, be back very soon, but um, we'll see how the, we'll see how it goes tomorrow against the Suns. But uh, appreciate everyone for tuning in. Appreciate your support. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'll speak to you soon, Bulls fans. Mm-hmm.